Hello. Hope you're having a great day today. It's your good friend, your buddy, your pal, CQ the Watch Guy here. And we have another episode of Dial In. This is Dial In episode number nine. Slowly getting up there. Um, yeah, hope you guys are having a good day. You know, feeling nice. It's uh, 4.32 in the afternoon. It's in the 70s in Dubai, which I love because it's nice. It's breezy. It's so cool when you walk out, you know. Uh, after being out here for a while, you learn to enjoy the the cooler temperatures before that summer comes around, and it um it shows you what's really cooking. <laughs> it it uh, <laughs> shows you what's really cooking, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you will definitely get cooked if you're out there too long. But either way, we're gonna enjoy the good times as they roll, and we have some good times because it's 2022. We're doing good, and there's watches everywhere. The watch releases have already started, um, never really stopped, right? Brand by brand has really taken advantage and they're adapting well to this, um, the digital landscape that we found ourselves in. The one thing, um, I guess you could say silver lining of our current, you know, pandemic situation is that brands had to figure out how to keep releasing um, watches without having these physical events. And it's really accelerated uh, in my opinion, the the drops of watches, it's helped a lot of brands kind of spread out how they drop watches instead of doing everything at once. They do little by little. Then, you know, like a big show like Watches and Wonders, which is coming up um, the end of March, beginning of April, where we have a bunch of brands um, will release all their goodies for us to chew on. Of course, Ro- Rolex and Paddock and all the, all the big boys will be there. But pretty much everybody kind of dumps around that time as well. And we've already started, LVMH has already started their their release um, schedule, if you want to call it, you know. They're just dropping hits, dropping albums, hoping there'll be hits, see what's going to chart. And I love it. It gives us a lot of watches to chew on. And, and you do hear a lot of more um, smaller events where brands will, you know, invite you, you know, if you're a VIP or you can get on the right list, or you know the right people, you're, or if you're doing your, you know, you're buying your um, your AD or your boutique guys, doing some espressos once in a while, you get invited to these events where you get a first look at the pieces, which I love. I think this is where we need to go, more intimate experiences with small groups of people. Um, let them get their hands on the watches. Let them, you know, experience the brand. You know, a lot of these, a lot of times the, the pieces are already sold out, but at least, you know, you get to see them other than um, just online and in pictures, you get to get you know get your hands on the metal, as I like to say. Either way, um, so this episode, I just kind of browsed through, took some picks that really kind of stood out to me um, so far in the year, and just pieces that maybe glance more than a couple seconds. And I think you know for a few episodes, we'll just kind of rock out with a few of my picks um, that I really really like, and then um, we'll go from there. So let's dive in, shall we? Let's dive in this beautiful ocean of horology. And first up, my first um, pick is the Laurent Ferrier Sport Auto, which I really, really like. Uh, this watch is the, um, I don't know, the son of the Laurent Ferrier Grand Sport Tourbillon that we got a couple years ago in uh, 2019. And that was a great watch, but it was a Tourbillon, so it was... Uh, a little bit of, you know, in the deeper end of the pool there on the price-wise, and it's just kind of a heavy watch. Serbians are one of those things where, you know, it's very unneeded, so beautiful when they're well done, but very unneeded, and the price point's a little bit high as well. So it's just a lot of people don't even 
you don't get a chance to see him. And a lot of people don't put that in their regular rotation unless you're a Turbion fan. And there's a few brands that do Turbion Julie well. And I can see, see why the Grand Sport did good. But we wanted something a little bit more accessible from them. And they gave that to us in the Sport Auto, which is beautiful. It's in titanium, excuse me, satin finished titanium. A beautiful, beautiful blue dial that goes from light blue in the center to a nice darker blue, almost black on the outer rim. And the sub dial keeps that kind of, that blue motif as well. Really well done. I, I'm a big Laurent Ferrier fan. I've always said that to me, Laurent Ferrier is paddock in 100 years, whereas it's steeped in traditional horology and aesthetics but it just has really super well done finishing that, that almost gives it a modern look especially when you look at um you know the the, the galley micro rotors and the galley square pieces they just have this i don't know this very kind of futuristic feel because everything's just smooth and really well finished while still looking like a very traditional watch and mr ferry of course did work for paddock for for a while, so I, I you know, I, I see where some of the aesthetics come from, and he does a really good job. To me, they're still a sleeper brand as well, right? They only make around 150 pieces. Um, I still think they're hovering around there. And, you know, they're still gettable. Now, the, the only trick of Lauren Ferry and the only thing that my only gripe with them is they do a, a good portion of their production is um, limited editions or one-off editions. And if you could go to them and ask them to make something special if you're a good client, they'll do it for you. So what happens is you often see this really cool Ferry piece on Instagram or one of your friends tells you about it. And that piece was like a one-off or like a special dial edition. So it's, it's super hard. So usually the Ferry that you really want is um already gone and you can't find it or you gotta really hunt for it you know but then when you finally get it on the wrist it's amazing the movements are really done super well super well finished small operation i believe it's just him and his son and a few other few other folks there in the, in the manufacturer um and i the sport auto is a great introduction it's definitely um, meant to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with all the integrated sports pieces like the Nautilus, like the Royal Oak. And I think it's a heavyweight there. I think it looks good. What I like, it's not... Uh, the case is more of a smooth, cushiony type case versus hard angles. Um, the bracelet is very... You know, somebody said it on Instagram and I can't get it out of my head, but it gives you, you know... 90s Brightland Colt to Brightland Avenger vibes. And I love that as a Brightland fan, but I like kind of the blocky rounded bracelet. That might be the one thing that some people hate, but I truly enjoy it because if, if it was a very, you know, thin and, and high angled uh, integrated bracelet or very flat and not rounded, I think the the comparisons to a Nautilus or AP would have been too close. By, but giving us this bracelet that's a little bit more um, bulk, bulky or a little bit more rounded, a little more blocky, I guess is, is the right word. It lets it stand out a little bit more and it really gives you a nice contrast to all those other sport, sports models. This is not going to be for everybody, but for the people who love it like me, they will be head over heels with this watch. And I think it did a really good job. And it's a micro rotor piece, which is really nice, but it's not too thin. It's a 12.70 millimeters, so just under 13. So that's a nice sizable wrist, uh, sizable watch. So have a nice wrist presence, a uh, nice thickness there. So you can actually... You know, you can have some fun with it. You can beat it up a little bit. You can wear it. You can enjoy it. Um, you know, my thing with, with, with watches with micro rotors and some thinner watches, like my grab with the Bulgari uh, Finissimo pieces has always been like, I feel like if I, 
I don't know, if I go crazy one day and I go Hulk smash, I can just break it by, you know, just, you know, flexing my my wrist too too much. Of course you can. It's actually really well made. Um, but that that's a I don't know, for some reason I, I feel like, you know, I'll go crazy one day and break it. But um with with the pieces like this, the fairy piece, it gives me a nice wrist presence, a nice thickness, so I can feel it on the wrist, and I feel like it won't, um, I can do some stuff. I can go Hulk smash and it'll still be there. And hopefully I wouldn't scratch it up too much. But kudos to Lauren Ferrier for giving us a nice entry in the sports luxury watch lineup. And I think um, it'll be done. Gorgeous watch. Really, really gorgeous watch. Uh, just hours, minutes, sub-seconds, and a date. All you really need. A chrono would be interesting. I don't think they do a chrono. Chronograph. I don't think they do. Seeing this in, in like a chronograph would, would be interesting as well. Not needed. I think it, it, it is good, but, you know, let's see. I would love to see some few different dials here. I love how it, a blue dial is always the, the go-to dial with the luxury sports watch for, for whatever reason. It does work um, really, really well. Oh, that movement is just so gorgeous. And then the engraved rotor, um, the engraved micro rotor is a nice touch. And just the finishing of a any any Lauren Ferrier piece is just super super top notch, and definitely when you when you look at Lauren Ferrier's, get your loop out, get your you know I always suggest you get a nice big loop, um, so you can be really be able to get in there and see how well finished these pieces are. Cause that's that's what you're paying for. Somebody really sitting down, making sure that the bevels are just really nice and silky smooth, and give you a good mirror polish. And Lauren Ferrier um, gives you it delivers every single time. So kudos there. It's a, a nice piece um, that just released. And now I gave you something, and that one is 46,000 Swiss francs. So what, what, low to mid-50s US dollar, which which makes sense um, for what you get in there. Again, very low production. Lord knows how many of those will actually uh, be produced per year. Again, they're, they're doing like 150 watches a year, maybe 160. So you're not going to see that really take over their whole production as well. So it won't be the easiest watch to get, like, all of these watches. But I think you'd be able to wiggle one or two if you have a good relationship with an 80 who specializes in independence. Now, let's go from something that is in, you know, the higher range of 46000 to, to me, probably one of the best watches I've seen um, under 2200 bucks, And this is the Louis Urard Excellence Petite Seconde Terracotta. Amazing watch. And um, I'm guessing it's called Terracotta because the dial is a beautiful salmon terracotta red, and it's gorgeous. Time-only piece, um, hours, minutes, second hands. It's so well done. It's coming in 42 millimeters and 39. And I just, I'm head over heels for this watch as well. Uh I think 1900 or 1950 Swiss francs or around 2100 or so US dollars. Amazing price point. Super well done. This is one of the best uses of a salmon dial I've seen uh, in a while. Nice uh, different levels of finishing or um, engraving on the dial as well. The sub-second is a little bit uh, recessed, so it's a little bit lowered with a circular grain. Then you have a satin finish on the outer hour ring there and in the middle kind of like this matte finish so they all really work with each other very very well and i really i i i think this watch is a hit and i think at the price point you can't beat it this is a great watch if you're looking for a unique dress piece it comes on a brown leather strap i, I think I, I would switch it up and maybe do Ooh, maybe like a suede gray strap to kind of help that that salmon dial pop or maybe a lighter brown as well. 
um, and I'd have some fun there. But at 2100 bucks, I mean, this is a winner. You see this watch, the hands are very unique. They remind me of, um, I don't know, like a, like a, like a, like a lance, like with jousting or something like that. Um, re really, really well used. Nice, big, big hands there too. Um, a nice, simple dial. No date, no date needed on this puppy. I like that it's two sizes, 42 and 39. You know, I'm going to go for the 42 myself because I like, you know, I like, I like the bigger watches. And um, let's see, Salida SW261. So basically, you're at a movement there, which I don't mind, again, for the price point. Not complaining at all because you did give me a really outstanding dial and this to me only 100 pieces a year um which is goes in line with what new rod really does as well is these or the new direction i should say these nice watches a lot of time uh partnership pieces like the lane silverstein piece and a few other um partnership pieces that they've been doing low productions i think for the limited editions they always do like 388 or something like that very low productions very good price there. The whole goal is to give you really great watches at very affordable prices, and this is a hit. This is a great watch to give somebody um, if they're you know going to school, a good wedding watch, good. If they like watches, I think this is a great gift watch, and you could pick one up for yourself. This is good, you know, you buy one for your dad, and you buy one for yourself, or your brother, or or your friends, or something like that. This would be a great um, groomsman watch as well, or, or if you do some type of group you know, a, a group bonding thing. I, I think this is an excellent watch. And at $2,100, I really, um, it's a winner. It's a winner, man. I need, I need to get my sound, soundboard uh, updated. I need like, a, it's a winner. I need, I need that as a, as a soundbite. But this, I really love. So kudos, kudos to you, Rod. You know, a brand I don't talk about too much, um, but I really like is Resence. Resence is one of those brands that they're very, um, you know, out there. Very avant-garde, you know, they're basically fluid-filled watches. Half of the watch is filled with fluids. So it gives you a very, uh, you know, magnified, you know, cell phone look, which I, I really love. And in the beginning, when they first came out, very, you know, kind of bulky, a little bit too bulbous, but they slowly refined um, their designs. And, oh, man, their Dubai Limited Edition from 2019 was amazing. Had kind of semi-skeleton dial. was really gorgeous. Even the one from this... Uh, 2021 was very was very nice as well. Um, so they have a new watch. So let's talk about that one. It's the Type 3 BBB. Type 3 Triple B um, watch. And so the Type 3 B has always been one of their, their wearable um, lines, in my opinion. It's nice, a little bit more smooth on the wrist. 44 millimeters, but it, it fits nice, I think, on 15 millimeter thickness. So they're, they're thick, but still, you know, you can get this under a cuff and it's very they have it in a nice fabric shop anyways it's bbb because it's kind of like they're a, a blacked out watch not not a, a true phantom everything is in black but there's no color and usually there's some pops of color on a resident style but it's a it's a black dial and different shades of gray and white um for the numerals and the date and everything like that very unique layout um, you have the hours in one sub dial you have the minutes which is like a big hand that kind of floats around then you have like a a, a day display, which is not with letters, but with kind of these, you know, unique um, markers. And then what, what I like about it is they have Saturday and Sunday are kind of squished into one marker that is um, just represents a whole weekend. You have the date on the peripheral of the watch, and then you have um, 
the minutes going around as well. And then you have a temperature gauge because it's oil filled and oil reacts to temperature, expands and detracts. Um, and that oil gauge lets you know, what, you know, kind of gives you a thermometer and also lets you know what there's some bellows inside there that, you know, help manage the, the expansion and retraction of the oil. So that kind of lets you know what's going on there. It's one of those watches at first glance, if you've never seen it before, you're kind of confused of what's going on here. But once you take a second and really realize how to read the watch, it's actually super cool, super well done. And I like the Triple B because it really gives a look of a smartwatch on the wrist. It looks just like a, a smartwatch from a brand you've never seen. And I really love that look. And the, the, the no color on it kind of really makes it, I don't know, it makes it pop and it gives a very... Um, futuristic feel and then it's a black dlc um case as well so it's really really um i think it's a hit i think it's a winner a winner for them now price points up there 36.5 but what you're paying for here is kind of the unique execution it's a very highly uh redone edda movement there and basically the watch is split into two and the dial side is filled with fluid uh and then on the bottom side you have your normal movement that's been re-engineered and then you have a bunch of little micro magnets that connect everything so when you wind it you wind it on the case back there's no crown and because uh you know you're dealing with oil so you don't want the two cases you want the oil to be kind of sealed in there so they use the magnets to kind of connect the watch to each other so when you wind it the whole watch kind of turns around and the whole dial side is moving for the full time as well so it's a very unique operation and that's what you're paying for the the technology there and it's very a very unique watch, very unique brand, and I think the Triple B is a good, good um, execution for them. And I think this is a brand that, as as it's around, as the years go by, we see more thinner watches from them, and they're really doing a good job. And I think they'll be around for a while. It's a unique watch; not everybody is going to gravitate for it. But if you're looking for something a little bit, you know, futuristic, a little bit out there, I think um, I think this is this is a good shot. Check out the thrill. Triple B, um, the Type 3 BBB, I'll say that. Um, it, it, it's a cool piece. All right, next up, who should I talk about? You know, let's talk about Zenith a little bit. Zenith is um, having a good year. They're having a good couple of years, I think. They've, they've really, you know, uh, so we have the Chronomaster Sport, which kind of looks like a Daytona, but you know, maybe it's a little better in the movement side. And that was doing well for them. And the Revival Series have been doing super well. Now they've come with the Defy Skyline, which really gives, um, you know, that there's going to be the comparisons to AP and, and, and the Royal Oak for sure. Now, Zenit will say that the original Defy was out around the same period, maybe a little bit before the Royal Oak, which is true. Either way, I think it's a great watch. Zenit is a great brand. They do good movements. They give movements to a lot of people. A lot of people use their movements, I should say. Um, so I'm a fan of them doing watches that are in, that are look good, that are sexy. And the Defy Skyline is a sexy watch. You want a watch that looks good on the wrist after all. You know, at the end of the day, brands need to make some money and they need to make watches to sell. And I think the Defy Skyline will be a good seller for them few different um, colors. Got a silver dial, got a blue dial, got a black dial. There's chronos, there's everything. Um, and I think that's a winner. The Defy Extreme um, Carbon came out. The Defy Extreme, uh, the one that came out last year was pretty cool. Um, nice, aggressive case. And it's like, gives an offshore a run for his money, in my opinion. Um, all powered by the beautiful El Primero movement, by the way. One of the most legendary movements out there. So you always got to you know, bottom and pay respect there. Um, so the the Defy Extreme 
Chrono last year was really nice um, on the bracelet and titanium. Now they have a carbon fiber one, which really, really looks good. Uh, I think it's a sharp watch. And here's where I stand with Zenith. I think Zenith's a great brand um, that's been around for a long time. You can usually get a, a decent deal on a Zenith um, brand new. And, you know, pre-owned, you usually can pick them up good at a decent discount. And we're seeing now that a lot of, of the Zeniths are trading close to retail, which I like. Because, again, my rule is if you can buy a watch and get out of that watch, sell it or trade it for retail or lose up to 20%, I think that's a success. I don't think, you know, you should really aim to be able to buy a watch and then get more for it when you sell because that's a very almost new phenomenon, especially when you're not dealing in super high horology, super limited pieces and things like that. You never really used to be able to buy a sub and sell it for more money than you bought it for. So that's kind of a new phenomenon. Phenomenon. Oh, man. Okay. My words aren't good today. That's kind of a new a new thing that's happening. So I, I, I don't want people to have that, that outlook that every watch they buy, they should be able to make 20, 30% on. I think it should be more like, I like a watch. I buy a watch. I'm able to enjoy this watch for an amount of time and when I decide to move on from that watch whether my tastes have changed or there's another watch I want to trade in towards um, I can get most of my money back and if you can lose less than 20% I think that's a great success in this you know beginning of my career a decade ago most watches I sold you lost pretty much 50% uh, if not more um, compared to the retail price when you went to sell them pre-owned. I've uh, had to have a lot of rough conversations and it's been nice for the past couple of years to actually call people back and say, hey, I'll give you the same money or much more depending on what you bought from me. But let's not, um, I wouldn't go into it expecting that because that's something that can change any day. You know, the market's still strong and it's still humming along, but still, you know, again, I think if you follow the rule of buy a watch, you love it, and you can mitigate your loss to around 20%, even 25%, depending on the watch. I think that's a great success, um, especially if you're selling to a dealer. If you can sell to an end user and get your money back, I think that's amazing because then you basically wore a watch for free. And I, I think that's great to be able to wear a watch for free, right? Um, so, yeah, but listen, the real reason I'm here talking to you about Zenit today is... You know, I'm a little bit of a, I'm an anime guy, you know, I won't lie. And they have come out with the Zenith Chrono Master Revival Lupin Third Final Edition. And this watch is really similar. This watch is it. This watch is a beautiful um, Chrono Master Revival case. It's a little small for me, 37 millimeter, but I'll, I'll wear it, I'll be honest with you. And what I love about this watch is the dial is split in half diagonally. One side is, the lower side is a panda, white dial with black um, black chrono subdials. And the top part is a black dial with gold um, writing for the Zenit chronograph, automatic El Primero, all that stuff. And then the subdial is like a, like a charcoal gray. But the gold, you know, gold markers on the, for the minute tickers and everything, really nice gold hands. But I love that this watch diagonally really gives it a very sharp, look and something I haven't seen before and I really enjoy. And the gray goes around the tachymeter scale and then it goes white when it goes to the panda side of the dial. Lupin III, this anime has been around for a very, very long time uh, based on uh, basically a, a famous um, thief. I feel like it should be a better, a better, like a, yeah, famous 
you know, a thief. Or I feel like there should be a better a better word than that. I'm probably not saying it right, but famous, you know, art, art thief. Um, and you know, just a really fun anime uh, that I used to watch uh, growing up when I could find it. And I, this is the third edition. The second edition was really nice. It was all white, but this watch. Something about it. First of all, I love the Zenith uh, Revival Chrono Masters. They just have these hard angles on the case cases, which I love. Um, the Shadow, if I'm saying it correct, was really nice. It was a nice all blacked out case, and just these have been winners for um, Zenith. So this Lupin the Third Edition is a big winner in in my opinion. There, um, it's a piece that I'm gonna try very hard to get my hands on. And I think I might I might want to put this one in my collection. Little, you know, on a smaller side for me at 37 millimeters. But being that it's a chronograph, being that the, with the shape of the case, I think the lug to lug will be something I could enjoy. And I just, I'm glad to see Zenith embracing a variety. We have the Chrono Masters. We have the, sky, the, the Defy Skylines. We have the Streams. But we also have the Revivals. And, they're, you know, we're having fun. We're making watches people want. And I think that's important for brands to make watches people actually want versus staying in your your capsule and your silo and just, you know, doing all this R&D and making a watch that maybe like appeals to you. But you, if you're a brand that's not, you know, if you're not making 50 watches a year, you got to sell some watches. Right? Even at 50 watches a year, you got to still sell some watches. It's easier to find somebody who fits into your ethos or the way, you know, you think at 50 watches or 100 watches a year versus you're making, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30,000 watches a year. You kind of need to make a little bit more of a variety so you can feed different consumer bases and collector types and tastes and somebody who's collecting your watches can buy more than one and appreciate the brand versus buying one watch from your brand and then being like, ah, I kind of got the only thing I wanted. So it's nice to see Zenith um, really giving us uh, a lot of good juicy tidbits here. And I just... I don't know. I really love this this loop in the third final edition. So well done, Zenith. You are you are winning. I need I need a soundboard. I gotta you know give me give me four or five episodes and I will have a, a nice little soundboard with some uh, some sounds that won't get me pulled off the internet. I think we will have some fun. So that's pretty much it for my my picks of watches. There's so many other watches that um that have come out and I'll keep doing some, but we can. Could spend two hours just going through everything, but I think there's so much that I want to, you know, really soak in and get more details on. And there's other outlets for you to get really detailed listings and tech specs and all type of stuff on um, new watches that came out. And I'm just kind of here to give you a little taste of everything, right? Uh, some industry news that came out uh, about maybe a week ago or ten, two weeks ago by now. Um, Caring Group has sold Elise Nardin and Gerard Pergo to the managers. And I think this is a very interesting moment in time for these two brands. Um, I think Karen, the, the writing was on the wall that they wanted to, to get out of, of, of that side of the watch business for a while. They, you know, they deal with Puma and a bunch of other brands as well. And I think they, they're trying to focus more there. And Gerard Perico and Yuli Sardin are, you know, they're really nice brands that don't sell very well. Um, just to, just to be straight up with you, and um, you know it's it's hard to to have them on your balance sheet, I'm sure, and I I'm sure the a, a financial situation that worked out that made sense for management made sense for caring to get them off of the of the group's balance sheet, and you know to you know wish the two brands, um, you know, adieu. 
it in a, in a nice way. And I think it was a peaceful transition. I'm actually very excited because this is an interesting moment because Gerard Pergo has some steam um, because of all the luxury sports watches that have been going on fire. Laredo's, I think, have been more uh, sought after than ever before. Uh, I had a, tif- a Tiffany Blue Arabic, Eastern Arabic uh, dial piece that two of them that sold out as soon as I posted on Instagram. Uh, we can't keep Blue Dial, Laredo's, Laredo's in stock. Um, even the Kronos are, are starting to do good, but the time owners are doing really, really well. I have one collector here in the Middle East, uh, in Dubai, they released a, like a rainbow of colors with Eastern Arabic indices. And I have one collector who's actually putting all the colors together. And when I say rainbow, I mean a rainbow. There's like a deep purple, a bright yellow, a orange, kind of like a, a, a sand brown. There's like a mocha chocolate one. The, the black one is probably one of the best. And this Tiffany blue one is actually uh, a beautiful watch as well. Um, so yeah, they they the they do some really good things with the Laureato line. They release some eternity, uh, eternity dial limited editions with some beautiful enamel work, one in green, one in blue, that are uh, outstanding. So they're actually some good positive vibes going the way of Gerard Perigo. And they have such rich history and they do make cool watches um, in the past. And I still think they do some really good stuff now. Now is the time to see now that they're fully independent, if they can pivot and make it work and, uh, you know, speak to the consumer, you know, you got to keep harping on the Laureato, you know, and maybe, you know, not be a one trick pony, but really invest in them and keep making unique dials and pieces that people want. And, and, you know, you know, don't overdo one single skew. And I think they have a lot of good variety there. So I think they'll do well. They'll probably for a while be a brand that you can get pieces at a, at a decent discount on and pre-owned side you don't have to overpay but i do see uh certain laureados going for retail um and slightly above retail especially for limited editions so i have hopes for jar perigo now you listen then it's also it's, it's such an interesting brand man and to me from you know they probably start somewhere around six or seven thousand dollars and go up to a million they have probably the best variety of any brand out there able to span that price range. Um, I, I started selling UN back in 2012 in Alaska. And even then I was like, this is crazy. Cause you could get uh, like a Marine chronometer um, for like seven or 8,000, which is a nice dressy watch, good size on it. 43 or 45 mm, I forget, but you can also get, um, a crazy automaton, uh, the Genghis Khan or the circus where you have like all these people, you know, doing different motions and it being a minute repeater as well. And, you know, they do crazy hot jewelry pieces and um, really, really high complications. And I thought that was so interesting from a brand to be, do such a wide range of interesting models and do it well. Now, they've always been, you know, brand that when it goes on a pre-owned side, uh, they get discounted deeply. But I think, you know, they do a lot of good stuff. They have a lot of good in-house movements. Um, you know, they made the, the dual times are really good. They probably have some of the best perpetual calendars where you can not break and you can go backwards and forwards and do all everything you wanted to do with it and, you know, not break that watch. And I think on the pre-owned side, amazing values. Some of their, their newer watches, um, in the past couple years have been interesting to me as well. The Freak X line has been very good. Uh, if you don't know the Elite Freak, it's basically, it tells time with the movement. 
And when that first came out, um, well over a decade ago, that kind of broke the, I don't know if it was the internet, but it, they broke the watchmaking world at the time, being such a unique um, watch, a unique execution, and very, a lot of watchmaking R&D went into that, and, and some legendary watchmakers worked on that as well. Uh, the Freak X basically is a toned-down version of that. We still have this statement um, kind of floating around there, um, but it has a crown. The, the original Freak didn't have a crown. You kind of flip this little clasp up and wind the top bezel to set the time, and then you wind the bottom the bottom portion of the watch on the, the case back to, to wind it. So this one had a, has a crown, and it, it's you know, not as expensive and it's not as, um, you know, it's not as, as, uh, movement intensive, um, as older freaks, but it's still super well done and the execution is really nice. And I love the freak X. I think, uh, they, they start in the, in the mid teens price point as well. And you can get them in titanium. There's some cool ceramic editions as well. Um, then they did the, I can't pronounce it, the, the torpedo, um, it, it means uh, torpedo boat. Th those kind of a thin marine chronometers have been really good. And they've had, had a lot of different um, editions that I really like. And the whole, whole problem with them always has been, in my opinion, is that if you bought it new at retail, you get brutalized on trade and you get brutalized on the flip side. So I think that that is something that when you're a part of a bigger group where the focus isn't on the brands, the, 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 the watch brands, this this always happens, or, or this watch brand in particular, this happens because you get sloppy in a distribution, you end up getting into ADs just to move product out of out of Switzerland, out of your, your warehouse and your, your HQ, and you stop caring about, you know, the discounting that goes on. And what happens, what you have to remember is when these watches get pushed to AD, especially from these group brands, the manufacturer the hq already is paid for these watches so then it, it's the 80s problem right and most of the 80s just sell the watches to make costs back maybe a little bit above cost especially when you're talking about these two brands it's like listen for a long time i'm just happy to get my money back make a little bit of profit and um just be able to to keep my account open because once in a while there'll be a you know, super unique watch that, you know, somebody wants to get. So it's nice to have that account. I mean, when you sell a, a Genghis Khan or our striker, or, um, there's, there's an oil rig one. There, there's a, a bunch of automatons. If you sell one of the biggest, bigger pieces, one, you're able to, you know, be a superstar in front of the customer and you make some good profit there. So you end up just kind of turning all the low end stuff. And some of them sell good, like the maximum divers. So, so good as well. Oh man. See, it's just so many models you can mention when you talk about UN. But either way, the distribution has always been an issue and the discount on the 80 side is always something that was really rough to deal with. So that, that breeds the gray market, right? Um, so I think now that they're independent, hopefully they can clean it up a little bit, keep the prices uh, accessible, keep producing unique watches, and really it's, it's their ballgame to lose here because I think... They can make watches that sell. They can make watches that aren't a crazy price point. I would say invest some money into cleaning up the pre-owned space and buying back some inventory that's out there. Maybe do your own kind of certified pre-owned program. Clean up Chrono 24 from deep discounts. If you see dealers out there just killing your brand, just cut them. You don't need them. And you can do well. If The, the L'Oreal approves it, man. Because even like the L'Oreal Skeleton 
is a watch that people chase for as well. There's enough oomph there that you can get your engine going. So once you get your engine going, you just gotta keep it humming, and then you can rev it, and then you can you can do stuff crazy. I would, you know, you know, stay away from the too crazy on the high end side because again, you take a, a super beat in there. But let's see, man. This gives me good hope for the two brands. I always thought they needed to kind of get spun out into their own world, and I think being joined together, they can share a lot because between UN and Jar Perigo, you have a lot of watchmaking knowledge, a lot of great movements, a lot of. Um, technology there uh un does a lot with silicone escapements and they're pretty much all in-house as as well i think gp is is almost there as well so it, I, I think together they're, they're two brands that are match made in heaven and you can still you can make a lot of money there and you can make watches that people love and being independent allows you to be you know a speed speedboat versus being a cruise ship and some of these bigger bigger brands are like cruise ships so to turn that brand around is like you know, a decade task, but then, you know, these smaller brands, you can, you know, a couple few models in the right spot and clipping out some SKUs that don't really sell that well and clipping some ADs who pump up the gray market a little too much or, you know, making some, just being a little bit more stronger with them. Like, hey, I don't want to see any crazy discounts. So you got to, you know, when, when you can fix that up a little bit and take care of your pre-owned, I, I think you can turn it around. So that's an interesting bit of news. And I wanted to talk to you guys about that. And I really think two brands to watch are, are UN and GP. Great values, great values on pre-owned right now. And you can find some steals, some steals for both of them. Um, especially if you like a good, I, I like a perpetual calendar. So I enjoy sporty perpetual calendar. So um, I like big pile of perpetuals, but I also like a lot of the UN uh, perpetual calendars out there because you can, again workhorse perpetual calendars which is something that usually doesn't go together but you know perpetual calendars you can wear and not be afraid to break and overset and all these things you can go backwards um and a lot of the un ones as well with nothing you know without having to call the watchmaker or giving yourself a heart attack after so i think um i think yeah two brands to look out for interesting news and i'm sure this this um this year will be filled with a lot of a lot of watch news as well. Um, yeah, so as you wind down the podcast, let's see what we have here. All right, so one, uh, so I, I try to tackle at least one client question or collector topic um, every every episode, and you can feel free to send one in at cq at thewatchbox.com. Uh, that's cq at thewatchbox.com, and I'm happy to, answer your questions. So um, I had an interesting conversation, a long conversation yesterday with a client who, you know, the usual thing is, you know, do I need boxing papers or am I okay without boxing papers? Box of papers or no box of papers? Is, is without boxing papers stolen and all these things come in your head? You know, is it worth it to get boxing papers? And my stance on that is it depends who you're buying. You should, shouldn't, you buy the watch second, you buy the, the dealer or the seller first, right? And if it's somebody big, somebody trusted, like a watch box, like a very big dealer that gives you all these guarantees and have a very good reputation out there, I'm fine getting certain watches without boxing papers, especially if it's a common watch. And if I'm buying, um, I don't know, Paddock, Perpetual Calendar, Chrono, I kind of want the boxing papers, unless the deal I'm getting it for, it's um, very good. If I'm buying a, a limited edition that came with... Um, like if I'm buying an AP Shack, right? The Royal Oak Offshore um, Shaquille O'Neal edition. It comes in a basketball box, man. 
I want the basketball box, right? So if, if it doesn't come with the basketball box, I need a, I need a good discount there. Um, now, on the flip side of that is there are a lot of watches out there that are boxing papers, but the papers are blank. And I was trying to explain to this client, you know, how this happens. And this is actually, um, it could be a fairly common thing, right? Blank papers. And the reason, uh, and he was very hesitant, like, does that mean it wasn't registered? Does that mean it didn't come from a good source? And to what it comes down to sometimes, or most of the time with blank papers, is that the salesperson was either not trained very well or got a little lazy that day. Um, especially when you're talking for brands that aren't Paddock. Paddock... Um, makes you fill out your, you know, your name, your address uh, on the paperwork. That paperwork needs to then be sent into Switzerland. So it's, it's kind of registered on the seller database, and then you can send in the little leaflet and, and register your own. There are a few other brands out there, especially in the digital, digital age now. They're like, they tell you to register it. AP's big on that. But you go back like, you know, a few years ago, five to 10 years ago, a lot of these watches came with very generic um, warranty cards. So we were talking about JLC and JLC watches. Uh, when I started in the game, they were very generic cards. Some of the limited editions came with like the uh, special edition manual, etc. But the warranties themselves are just kind of blank warranties, and you fill out the model number, you fill out the the serial number, and you put in the date, and then you put your dealer stamp on there. Um, and again, if you're doing your job correctly, if you're taking your time, you're filling out the paperwork. But a lot of times, you know, listen, I, I, I started my industry, I started my career in the cruise industry. Um, and when you got the kids are yelling and screaming and, you know, they're trying to go to the beach and all these things happen, you know, you're just so happy to make the sale and the guy's like, I need to go now. Sometimes you forget to fill out the, the, the warranty papers. Happens all the time and it happens there. It happens to other dealers as well. Um, you know, as you, especially when you're younger in the industry, as you get a more savvy and you understand how important it is, you make sure you fill out all the paperwork, you make sure everything is stamped and it's done right. But there are many, many dealers who forget or who, you know, there's some clients who are like, oh, leave it blank. Let me, you know, I might be able to, to date it to extend the warranty. There are all type of reasons to go in to uh, make that happen. Now, for me, that does not detract from the value of the watch. To me, once it's the original box, the original papers that would come with the watch, that's fine. Especially if, I'm, again, I'm buying a seller. So if I'm, com if I'm buying from a big company, if I'm buying from a watch box, if I'm buying from a, a company that's going to give me a lot of uh, guarantees and you know great refund policy and good reputation, or, or if I'm buying from a uh, independent seller who has all this or a just another you know watch collector who I trust really well I'm okay buying something that has blank warranty papers once it's of the era and it matches up because again I've been in the industry and I've seen how this can happen and I've trained a lot of people and I've seen people that you gotta beat over the head like hey make sure you fill out the warranty cards and only now we're in this age where a lot of these watch brands are taking advantage of technology and having you register online to get an extended warranty. And, you know, there are a lot of companies who are invested in blockchain to uh, Brightland's doing this as well to um, capture the ownership of the watch and have a nice ownership chain. But before that, it wasn't like a car. It wasn't like a title. Again, you had a paddock. Um, AP was making you fill out some stuff. Vacheron a little bit. There's a few other brands I'm not taking thinking about. But the only brand that was very, very strict was like Paddock and Rolex. Rolex makes you put the name there. And, um, you know, Paddock makes you fill out everything and you, you send it in and, and 
so on and so forth. But many other brands, they just, you know, it was generic. Once it has a, a dealer stamp on it, they're okay. And especially if you're buying a watch, just the warranty's over. If you're, like we were speaking about a JLC Dumet, um, and the warranty would have been over on this watch a- anyways, um, Dumetri, uh Chronograph, Rose Gold. Um, amazing watch, great value. You should buy it. I, I ended up into a, a, a fight about price with him, and he didn't understand like just how great of a watch, and we had at a good price. And, and anyways, um, but the warranty is out on that watch, and with you know with Watchbox, we give you a two-year warranty. I'm gonna send it back to JLC um, if it needs service to do a factory service on it. I'm not gonna do anything to it in-house. So to me, that's all you know. I would need as a consumer to. Go ahead and make that purchase if I like the price, if I like the watch, if I like the condition. I'm not worried about the papers being blank as long as the original papers are there. Now, he, he didn't feel comfortable, and I had a, a nice conversation with him about you don't have to make a purchase you don't feel comfortable with. And I think that's very important, and that's really you know, how I want to crown this conversation about that topic is you don't need to buy something if you don't feel comfortable. If you're not comfortable without boxing papers, don't buy it. Even if it's a great price, if you, if deep down you're gonna have a, a seed of doubt of, oh, I, I don't know where it came from, or, you know, I really would like to get with boxing papers, get it with boxing papers. If, if it's out of your price range with boxing papers, within your price range without boxing papers, maybe save up a little bit more. Maybe see if you have something that you wanna trade that can get you up to that value. But don't buy a watch, don't make a transaction that you're not comfortable with. I really, I get uncomfortable making transactions when my clients are not comfortable, right? Because within a week or so, you're going to call me, you're you're probably going to return the watch, you're going to nitpick on things that you normally wouldn't nitpick uh, because you just you might see a little scratch that, you know, was it there before? How did it get there? And it, it becomes this, there's this time because you're not, you don't feel good about the purchase. And to me, especially when you're buying things like luxury watches or luxury cars or, you know, anything that's like luxury, it's, it's about luxury, right? It's about feeling good. It's about having a great experience. So you shouldn't have a doubt. So don't make a transaction you're not comfortable with, comfortable with. And if you don't want something with blank papers, wait for a watch that has filled out papers. Um, if you don't want something without boxing papers, don't buy a watch without boxing papers. Don't Feel forced. Don't let any dealer or any seller force you into a watch. Hey, it's a good deal. Uh, you should take it. Oh man, you're uh, you're making a mistake not taking this watch. It shouldn't be any of those games. If you're not comfortable with the situation, don't do it because you always have like a a, a semi negative experience with with that purchase or with that watch. You always look at it a little bit funny or you'll you know. It, you just not have a, a fully positive experience and you shouldn't force yourself. Have you? think about it and think for a couple of days and you're like, okay, I think, you know, I can deal without the box and papers and you have eliminated the negativity from your mind. Go ahead with the purchase. It should be a positive experience. You should have, um, there shouldn't be a transaction you make when it comes to, again, a luxury item that has a negative emotion attached to it. In my opinion, I really, um, you should never feel forced to pull the trigger on something because this is not that type of thing. You should be having a great time. You should have a, a great experience and you should have a watch that you're happy with wholly. You're wholly happy with the watch and you're wholly happy with, you know, everything that came or did not came with the watch as well. Um, yeah, so again, you know, that just goes back to what I always say and what I'll leave you with today. Buy what you love and you got to love it with boxing papers or without boxing papers. But if you don't love it, don't buy it. It's not for you. Move on. There are millions of fish 
in this watch sea of ours, right? Uh, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in once again with me. This has been Dial In Episode 9. If you want to reach me anytime, you can hit me on Instagram, CQ underscore the watch guy, uh, or just email me, CQ at thewatchbox.com. If you go on my Instagram, though, you can, if you hit my Linktree link, you can set up an appointment and you could do a Zoom with me. Hey, I'm in Dubai, so my, my time zones are a little bit off, but I'm happy to stay up late to, to do a quick chat with you. And I, I end up being pretty late to serve my U.S. customers. If you're on the West Coast, you do got to wake up a little early for me. Then I can last about noontime, <laughs> noontime uh, on the West Coast on the weekend. Um, but, you know, always happy to talk. But please feel free to shoot me an email um, and let me know what you, uh, you want to hear more about. And I'll keep the podcast coming. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.